Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We caught up with Zef Reeves today. He's the Managing Director at Tesoro Resources. They're hunting for gold in Chile. We catch up about what's happening in Chile, how these guys are planning their year, uh, and when they're going to be delivering their resource um, to us. So if you want our thoughts on the conversation, the company, Zef himself, you can find that at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club, where you can also find detailed company reports and analysis. We've got commentaries from experts from around the world on a variety of companies and commodities. We've got training courses on there. We've also got summaries of all of the interviews that we've done just to save you some time because we know you're busy. But most importantly of all, why don't you go and join a thriving community of investors sharing their thoughts and ideas with each other in a nice, friendly, safe environment, free from all that judgment, trolling and abuse you see elsewhere. If that sounds nice to you, you can get them at cruxinvestor.com forward slash club. Zef, how are you, sir? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I'm here in sunny Perth and just coming out of a big three-day lockdown from COVID and a COVID escapade. So uh, back to life at is normal again in Perth, which is good. A lockdown. Go on, give me one case. Was it one case? Oh, I think there was. I think there was two cases. Wild. The, the government's done a, a good job at, at keeping it well under control and um, keeping life as normal as possible here in sunny Perth. So we're grateful for that. This is true. This is true. Well, hey, look, I, I appreciate you coming on. Uh, we spoke at the beginning of February. I wanted to catch up with you because a few things are going on in the market. Obviously, gold's come off um, a bit. Uh, we've been talking to lots of companies and trying to understand how they're dealing with that. Um, and we saw, you know, you, you know, your share price come off a bit since we last spoke as, as well. Yeah. Um, how do you feel about that? Yeah, obviously, uh, it's never that. Um, happy experience watching the share price come off. But look, the company's well-funded. Obviously, we just undertook a large capital raising at the end of last year. So we've uh, sat down and mapped out what the next sort of 12 to 18 months looks like for us. Um, we've got a nice linear journey ahead of us growing, growing the Alzoro project and, and taking it to its next stage of development. And that includes the uh, calculation of a maiden resource estimate um, probably around mid this year. Um, but look, we always get these little bumps in the market and, um, you know, Tesoro's in it for the long game. I think as they say, you know, Rome wasn't built in a day and we've got a uh, project to deliver. Um, we've got a team that's uh, well equipped. We've been putting some, um, you know, bolstering that team with, with the right expertise, um, come on board and, and help us uh, take the project through that um, process. Um, and as I said, we're well funded now. So look, these little little bumps in the market, um, you know, it's always disappointing to see the share price come back. But uh, at the end of the day, we've got a job to do. We can see a um, pretty clear pathway for us. So um, it's basically down to the gr- nose to the grindstone and, and, and getting on with it, which um, has been good. You know, the Alzoro project continues to deliver some fairly exceptional results. And, and um, the more we know about it, uh, the better it looks to us. Well, okay, I appreciate that. Um, let's let's kick off with a one-minute um, summary for people new to this story coming in, because I want to get into some of the other factors which we're seeing in South America, such as you know c- country risk and um, political risk and so forth, and, and then find out obviously what you've been doing with the project. So, can you give us that one-minute summary? I'll pick it up from there. Yep. 
you know, obviously Chile's um, a, a pretty nice place to do business for a mining company, and I suppose just to step back um, a, a, a bit is that, uh, you know, Chile's long been a, a mining destination for international investors. Um, Santiago's known as the Zurich of, of South America, um, so all the big, big banks are based their South American headquarters in Santiago. It's a very European-style city. Um, and the country is well supported by terrific infrastructure, which we get to leverage off at El Zorro also. But uh, look, in terms of um, a destination to invest and a destination for um, investing to the mining industry, I, I don't think um, you get a much better jurisdiction than Chile. It's very easy for us to, to do the work that we want to do. Um, it's a very clear pathway in terms of permitting, um, mineral ownership and, and the like. And, um, you know, as a comparison to Australia, you've got a, a major um, cost advantage in, in doing business in Chile as well. Okay. Uh, give me a one minute overview of the project as well. Uh, that would be quite helpful. Yeah, okay. So uh, El Zorro is a, a gold project located in Region 3 of Chile. So it's about 800 kilometres north of Santiago. And it's... Uh, sitting in probably one of the best mining regions of Chile. There's a lot of copper mines around us, but El Zorro is a pure gold project um, and it sits right on the coast. So we're only 15 kilometres from the Pan American Highway, 20 kilometres from grid power, 20 kilometres from the diesel plant. So, um, you know, I liken it to, to put trying to, to build a mine um, 50 kilometres outside, uh, outside of a port. So well supported by infrastructure, not at altitude, no, near the coast. Um, and what we're seeing out of it in um, geological terms is an intrusive related gold system, completely new to Chile and it's given uh, Tesoro a major advantage in um, looking at these sorts of things in the, in the region. So uh, at the moment, we're focused on drilling out the Tenera deposit and um, the more work we do on it, the bigger it's growing. Okay, so just just on the country, so you, you gave us a sort of a summary of what, what the country is like. But are you at all nervous by some of the um, political ramifications? You know, from you know Peru, uh, the kind of conversations coming out of Mexico. We saw it recently with Ecuador. The political scene seems to be very socialist, and that kind of making institutional funds a bit nervous, isn't it? Yeah, it's kind of interesting in Chile. I mean, it's now got. Um, you know, a very stable uh, legal system, um, particularly in regards to property and mining law. So as an example, I think the Mining Code was established in the late 1920s uh, during a de democratic period in Chile's history. Uh, went through a communist uprising during the 1960s. That law um, didn't change. Um, and then it went through to a dictatorship when uh, Pinochet was in power. And again, those laws remain the same. And they're more or less the same as they are today back out in, in operating democracy. Um, you know, some of the listeners, um, some of your viewers might have seen some, some things in the press around Chile having some constitutional change. And I think from um, not only the legal advice that we get, but I think from uh, outsider looking in, it's, it's probably for the best. And, and a lot of those constitutional changes are... Um, regarding the um, election of parliamentarians and the like and the power um, given to the president. So at the moment, it's a pure presidential democracy and, and ultimate executive power rests with the, with the president and to the point where they elect the parliamentarians and um, they're going to a more of a, 
a democratic system is being proposed, um, such as what operates in, say, the UK or, or um, Australia, where um, the regional parliamentarians have um, are, are really speaking to the people. So uh, we probably think that's a good thing, but um, we don't see any um, changes on that agenda in regards to property law, mining law, or you know, basic constitutional rights in regards to um, ownership, doing business, and so on. I, I, I get the you know the establishment of all of the above, but is the uh, is the intent there? Because um, the, the kind of conversations we're seeing in some some of the other South American countries, they're using mining as a a pawn in terms of the electioneering. Is that something that is is? Yeah, I suppose uh, Chile's in a unique position. Um, compared to a lot of those other countries. So the world's largest copper producer is a company called Cadelco, which is 50% owned by the Chilean government. So, um, you know, major shareholders of big copper producers are probably loath to change the rules on themselves. So um, we see a lot of support from the government in regards to the mining industry. Um, and that's not to say that, that they're constantly working to be best practice in the world for various aspects and um and you know we expect that but uh in terms of investment and the the base case for you know wanting to attract investment into the country for mining um and doing business uh we don't see any major changes um ahead of us and look obviously there's a uh, booming copper price at the moment. So a lot of eyes are on Chile, uh, particularly from the larger mining houses around the world to, to try and get their hands on assets in Chile. So they say it is a good jurisdiction to operate in. It's got world-class assets. Right. Okay. So no talk of nationalism, uh, repatriation. This is, we're open for business and big business is coming in. Yeah, absolutely. And look, they see the revenues that are generated from from the mining industry being pumped back into those regional areas. And, you know, as an example, at a local scale for us, we have a really good relationship with the uh, director of mines um, for the government for the region. And all they want to see is another mine um, be built and people be employed and revenue generated for the region and, and for Chile. So. Um, and that being said, look, Chile's a, 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 an attractive destination also because of the tax regime. So there's no royalties on, on minerals as such. Um, that, you know, a mine was built and it started recording profits, it would be taxed at the Chilean corporate tax rate, which is around 22%. Right. Okay. Okay. Interesting. And you started this off as a private venture before taking it public. How much of... How much does this company represent for you in terms of your personal wealth? Is this a significant commitment from you? I mean, how much money do you put in? Uh, yeah, so Jeff McNamara, who's uh, uh, the non-exec non director of the company, and myself and our general manager in Chile, Sergio Uribe, we founded the company back in 2017. Um, we put our heads together and a bit of capital initially, and... Um, we had identified our Zorro and we, we put some money in there and, and executed the deal on El Zorro. And then since then, we had contributed around probably around about $2 million Aussie dollars between us um, into the company um, back in the early days, well before we even drilled. Um, and we did a couple of rounds of capital raising also as a private company. So prior to listing, we'd 
between ourselves and, and raising some external funds and had put about three and a half, four million dollars Australian into the project. So we'd really broken it back in terms of a conceptual understanding of the geology. And, you know, we really knew that there was something significant there before we, we took the company to market. So in terms of what it means for me, um, myself and my co-founders, we've got a significant amount of skin in the game, as they say. So currently we own about 15% of the company. Um, you know, and we are in it for the equity rewards. We're not in it for, for salaries. Um, everyone's working fairly hard at, you know, getting the milestones met where we get rewarded a little bit more. Um, and at the moment, the project's delivering and uh, we can see those milestones, um, you know, they're not, not, not in the distant future anymore as they perhaps were in 2017, which is um, which we're quite pleased about. So what, what, does, that, what does that mean? How, how do um, directors of companies remunerate themselves in terms of, you know, if you hit certain targets, you get rewarded X, you, hit, you know, how, how does that work? I mean, yeah, so, give an example. So, so what we, so, you know, generally, uh, I suppose, and you'll be aware of this, you know, a common metric for measuring the value of a, a gold company, for example, would be resource ounces defined in the ground, you know, pre-production. So um, we've aligned ourselves um, with our shareholders and creating value for our shareholders and, and we'll get rewarded by delivering resource ounces in the ground at El Zorro and also for delivering a feasibility study and uh, a positive feasibility study and something that is able to be financed and built. So you, you need this company to to be a mine. You need this company to work. This is not lifestyle. Yeah, look, when when we set up Tesoro, so some background on us, we're all production guys. So Jeff and I are ultimately, back in the day, we, we were production guys. We made the underground gold mine and we're in operations here in Western Australia. Um, and we've worked in the mining industry for um, coming up 25 years now and um, worked with projects from all aspects from discovery through feasibility, building them, running them, and even working, both of us actually even worked for the administrators on, on various projects that as mines were wound down or recapitalised or whatever. But ultimately, we're production guys. Um, and part of the reason for focusing on the coastal belt of Chile, where El Zorro is, um, and looking a, around where there was good support from infrastructure, was looking for deposits of... Uh, a scale and grade where it's not inconceivable that a junior company could take them from discovery through to production because um, you're able to le- leverage off all that infrastructure. You haven't got expensive exploration because we're not at altitude. We're more or less at sea level. Um, our guys get to go and sleep in the town each night up the road so we don't need to build camps and all of these sorts of things. And I think the proof's in the pudding um, with our you know our recent financial results in terms of um, our, our spend in the ground, you know, we're spending about 87% of our money, our burns going into the ground. And at the moment, our all-in cost for, for drilling is around $150 a metre for HQ core, which is which is quite astounding. So um, off all of that, um, we were able to, I guess, devise the strategy that Tesoro was set up to find a future mine and I believe with our Zorro, we've um, got a future mine on our hands. Okay. How do you feel about, you know, if you look back at last year, you did quite well last year. You, I think you're well received in, in, in the market, <laughs> right? 
did okay. Yeah. Um, but a lot of companies did okay. Yeah. How, how do you feel about where what you are trying to be versus what you what you saw last year? It's essentially, a lot of companies getting funded which don't have what you've got, but getting rewarded the same way. Do you care? Yeah, I, I suppose. Look, I don't try to look over the fence at the other companies. I'm very focused on you know delivering to Zorro's shareholders some value out of El Zorro. So as I said at the beginning, you know, we've got a pretty linear pathway now. We know we've got a real project on our hands. Um, we don't know how big it's going to be, but certainly it, it has the makings of a mine. Um, so we try not to compare ourselves to others. Um, and, you know, there's only so many things you can control and they're all internal, all the external stuff. So then, um, you know, we have the... the um, the benefit now of being well funded so that we can plan and have control over a lot more things. Okay, so I, I saw in the PowerPoint, you, you, I don't know if this is a typo or something, but I've currently got four rigs turning 24-7. Really? Yeah, um, we just put another one on site last night, actually, our time. So I've got five now, which is uh, good. And we're probably looking at putting another one on as well. So the, the impetus for that and for getting more rigs there is that when we first got involved in the project and you know i think we'll probably talk about this a little bit later as our ownership structure but we looked at our zoro and thought this would be a nice neat little gold project maybe you know three four hundred thousand ounces get something into production at a fairly low capex and use it as a stepping stone to organically grow the company into another asset and so on and then we got on the ground and started doing the work and it's just you know, orders of magnitude expanding the more work that we've done. So as a result of that, um, you know, what went from an initial 30,000 metre drill program that was um, budgeted for at the end of last year is we're about to, you know, budget another thirty-five to 40,000 metres of drilling just for infield drilling and resource definition simply because the step-out holes have been well mineralised. We've got holes in between that are well mineralised and we need to infill that now to get drilling to resource. And so really the foot is flat to the floor to uh, get as many holes as possible into it um, so we can get, you know, hopefully we'll, we'll form the basis of a, um, of a scoping study uh, made in resource out by sort of mid or just post-mid-year. And what's that going to do for you? Why, why is the market going to care about that? Well, I think we just need to demonstrate that there's a real project there. Um, and we're already working on scoping and engineering studies as well. And I think once you have a resource published, then the market's got some real metrics that it can sink its teeth into to provide, you know, a valuation for the company, plus see the expiration upside. You know, there's a lot of targets outside of Tenera that we haven't even drilled yet. With surface gold mineralisation in, you know, basically outcropping rock. Um, so we're pretty encouraged that, you know, this is a big district, um, but just focus on delivering that resource that can then have some engineering wrapped around it, um, start all the permitting processes and so on to get a mine permitted um, in Chile, which again is a is a fairly linear, straightforward process, but it it, it takes time, right? So um, we're working on a number of fronts together in parallel to uh, be able to deliver the project as quickly as possible. So really, the sooner we sort of paint the picture of what our Zorro might look like from a resource size, geometry, all of those sorts of things, then I think the market will start to take notice that, you know, this is a new project in a 
you know, world-class jurisdiction, very easy place to go and build a mine right on the coast next to a port with all these different options around it um, in terms of, um, you know, electricity, water and so on, um, which is a quite a luxury to have in Chile. And, um, and you know, so you, the market will be able to then say, look, these guys are going places and there's plenty of growth to be had. So, so you get the resource comes out mid, mid-year, say. Um, hopefully the market reacts to it. And, yeah, and then what? I mean, when are you guys looking to check out? I know you've built your mind builders, right? But given the sort of current market conditions, are you, are you looking for strategic partners? Can you do this yourself? How long is it going to take? You know, because we, we, we see a lot of stories that are coming in here and they're going, and it just seems very sort of short-termism. They're sort of looking for quick wins. Are you, are you looking for quick wins? What are the quick wins? Well, I don't think there's any quick wins in the mining game. You know, this is um, a, you know, a medium to long-term story. You've got a team that's, you know, been able to deliver results so far pretty quickly over an 18 month or just under 18 months since we listed. And um, I think we've drilled 40,000 metres of drilling and starting to see a major deposit emerge. Um, and we're starting that back, as I said, starting that background work to be able to deliver a project. And the base case for Tesoro always has been to build a mine. Um, sure, we're going to attract the attention of other companies in Chile, uh, but you know sometimes the juniors and the smaller companies were a bit more nimble and a bit more innovative and tend to make the discovery. So at this stage, we're as I said, we're well capitalised. We're not looking for a partner at this point. Um, I'll, ne- I'll never say never, but I'll again emphasise the fact that we set the company up to build a mine. We're seeing an, a mine emerge out of um, in front of us at Al Zorro. So uh, we've got a lot of work between now and doing that. But, you know, as I said, it's a fairly linear pathway for us and we're just going through that process and, and, um, and continuing to, to grow the business. But we're seeing a lot. We're seeing the majors shoring up their balance sheets. They've been the producers have been taking advantage of gold prices for the last, you know, twelve months or so. Um, it's got to be tempting. It's got to be an easier path for you, surely, just to set yourselves up for some kind of M and A inevitable M and A activity in this space. And, and, and if you are, then you've got to behave a different way. You've got to deliver different sorts of activity and numbers in the market, don't you? Well, I think, you know, the underlying goal is always to the best outcome for shareholders. And the board, is being amongst the major shareholders, are always going to do what the best is for the shareholders. And, um, you know, as I said, we haven't had an approach like that or anything ridiculous at this point in time. So... Um, it's not even in the psyche. We, we focus purely on delivering what's ahead of us. And again, there's a whole lot of things that we can control and all these little external things that happen from time to time, we don't have any control over those. We can manage them if it's uh, negative or take advantage of them if it's a positive. So uh, as I said, we'll just keep pushing on and, and you know the project continues to deliver. It's got so, so much going for it and the advantages of, the things that are going for in terms of geology, location, metallurgy, and so on, is that it's going to provide optionality in any mining scenario, which is going to reduce that cost. And you were talking about, you know, there's been a blip in the gold 
price the last few months. Well, I've been mining gold since the late 90s and <laughs> I think anything above a $1,200 or $1,100 US gold price is, uh, is a boom price in my eyes, um, in, in, you know, in the, I guess, the scale of my career. And, uh, you know, an, another reason that I think El Zorro and Tesoro is, um, you know, attractive when compared to peers is we look at companies here in Western Australia and you get above a $1,500 US gold price and the same old projects get wheeled out again and they get feasibility to death and they still don't work. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're unique in that, in that regard. This is a purely new discovery and, um, if we can't make money at a thousand dollar gold price, then you know maybe it's not the right project. It's interesting, I see. There, there's, there seems to be a lot of retread projects out there at the moment where they've just cut third, second, yeah, third, fourth go. I've uh, been pushing. Yeah, the and there's some fairly good examples that have just been announced. That, you know, over the last few months on the ASX, where they've re-feasibility them, and surprise, surprise, at a seventeen hundred dollar gold price, they're still not working. And when you have to start relying on gold price and exchange rates to make the project work, then it's probably never going to work, right? So um, we like to rely on the fundamentals that underpin the project, which is its scale, its grade, its operating costs and capex. So all of those things um, laid together, uh, ultimately build a robust project. And um, we might get some money taken off the table in operating environment because of exchange rate or we might get some more put in because of the exchange rates and so on. But relying on it to actually make an investment decision, I think, is fraught with uh, danger. Totally agree. We just put out a report. I think there's a company, it's at nearly a billion dollars market cap and they need $1,800 gold just to break even. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting times, um, which, which is kind of why... Yeah, I well, there's a lot of those. Yeah, there's a lot of those in Western Australia. So, um, and yeah, they're not going to work now. They'll never work. So, probably give it away. Well, I think it's not, not one of those. Also, it's not <laughs> one of those. No, I don't think it is. Um, but we, you know, I think it's important to help uh, investors kind of work out what to be looking at, where to be looking. Um, you know, and you know. Help people make their own, make their minds up about their investment decisions. But like, Seth, I appreciate your time today. I think for anyone who wants to see the sort of the backstory to the assets, we've done a couple of interviews with you over the past year, uh, which I'll put links to below. People can go and see see what you've been doing or how you've got to this point. Um, but let's like, stay in touch. Let's know how you get on. You've got the money to do it. I'm, I'm just intrigued about the way that you go about doing it. Thanks for your time. Yep, great. Thanks, mate. Great to be back. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.